0: to 10-Minute Theology, thinking rightly about God, scriptures, and the church 10 minutes at a time, with Joel Wentz. I hear it asserted very frequently, especially in evangelical circles, that it's really important to talk about God's wrath. That while God is love... And we are certainly fond of talking about God's love towards us. Many Christians are nervous that focusing too much on God's love will make it tempting to ignore his wrath or his justice or other attributes of God. But what are exactly are we talking about when we say things like this? What does God's wrath actually look like? What is it directed towards and why does it exist? These are all really big, in question, big questions. And as a nearly lifelong Christian myself, this subject couldn't be more important to me. I really believe that notions of God's wrath can become very easily twisted or even subtly misdirected. And these misdirections can result in really damaging conceptions of God. In my own life of faith, I actually developed a pretty misinformed perspective on God's wrath, especially this grew to create a sort of psychological existential crisis that I'm sure I'm going to be recovering from for years and years. And as a result, I passionately think we cannot be too careful when we talk about this subject. So, what follows is a note on God's wrath. First, there's sort of a pop theology about God, in at least in the circles I know, that goes something like this. God is love, but... He is angry about sin, because this sin is what separates humans from God, humans being the thing that God loves the most. It's precisely because God loves us so much that he is so angry about the sin that gets between us and him. This anger is what we have come to know, theologically, as his wrath. Because God is merciful, though, he found a way to pour out his wrath towards sin without directing it on the humans that he loves, namely us. This is the role of Jesus. On the cross, Jesus drinks the cup of God's wrath to its dregs, absorbing it and then, therefore, directing it away from us, as long as we exercise faith in him, in Jesus. God's wrath is inseparable from this understanding. Without it, there's really no need for Jesus or for his death. This is the narrative that caused so much trauma and really a faith crisis for me. At a really fundamental level, underneath everything I believed, I was actually torturously afraid of the God that was behind this whole system, this whole economy. I certainly appreciated Jesus' sacrifice for me, and, and I loved him for it. I really did. But I still couldn't shake the terror of the God on the other side of the cross. Baxter Kruger is a pastor who explains it as the bully on the playground who, for some reason, likes Jesus. As long as you hang around Jesus, you'll be fine, but if you step away from him, watch out. And this is exactly how I realized I felt about God. Certainly not very loving and not very appreciative of what he has done in history. And it's because this narrative is so popular, and especially so embedded in the evangelical world, that I think it's really, really important to revisit the notion of wrath. Before I go further, I want to be really clear, I don't think it's possible to ignore God's wrath totally. There are many people, especially in liberal or progressive circles of theology, who I think actually would like to do that, just ignore language about wrath. But I just don't think Scripture allows that option. Um, I don't think our experiences allow that option. Jesus and Paul don't allow those options as they talked and wrote um, about God's wrath pretty clearly. So if we can't ignore it, then how do we move forward? How do we understand it? Well, a few ideas. First, the word for wrath itself is actually really interesting, and I need to give credit where credit is due to a pastor named Josh Tongle for being the first person I've ever heard articulate this so well. The Greek word that gets translated into wrath, in both the Septuagint and the New Testament, of course, is the Greek word orgath. This is the root behind our English word, actually, for orgasm. The concept behind this word in the original language of the Greek is a violent emotion. So linguistically, God's wrath, for the original writers at least, was being expressed as a strong or perhaps even a violent emotional expression. what was this emotional expression being directed towards? Is it towards evil? Is it towards the devil or Satan? Is it towards sin? Or is it towards even us for being sinners? And this is actually, I think, where, where the pop theology model I mentioned earlier is on to something. Their finger is on something. God's wrath does seem to be directed towards sin, or, another way of putting it, is being towards everything that was not part of his original plan for humanity. His original plan for creation did not, I believe, include sin. And it is the intrusion of this force, this evil, that he is wrathful about. However, and this is a very, very important point, God is not, I believe, simply mad because we, quote, broke his rules. He's not angry that justice has somehow been shattered and is now demanding payment to even the scales. You'll hear that pretty commonly, and I I actually don't think that's what's going on. Rather, instead, I think that God is deeply and emotionally grieved that we are not in true fellowship with him as he designed us to be. We get a glimpse of this in Genesis chapter 6, verse 6, and this is right before humanity is arguably at its worst state when God decides to flood the earth in in the Genesis story, The text here says, and I quote from the NRSV version, The Lord was sorry that he made humankind on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. God is grieved at how astray we have gone. The grieving of God's heart and our breaking of fellowship with him, I think, is a direct result of sin. But it's not because we are separated from God in some sort of quasi-pagan, deistic type of theology where God is out there somewhere and unreachable. But instead, it's because our relationship with him is marred by shame, guilt, and fear and other emotions that are not what he wants for us. I want to say that again. They are not what he wants for us and not what we were designed for. And our perspective has a huge impact on all of this. So a quick example. When I was a really young kid, I remember my family visiting a farm. I did not know it at the time, but this farm had electric fences. We went up to the animals, and I wanted to see the sheep. I believe they were up close and personal, so I ran towards the electric fence and went to stand on it. Well, my mom, very, very quickly seeing what was happening, rushed up to me and grabbed me. You could say violently grabbed me away from the fence. This, for me, as a little kid, you can imagine, was actually a very scary experience. I didn't understand what my mom was doing. I didn't understand her actions towards me. They seemed violent. They seemed sudden. And I was actually scared by my mom, more so than I was scared by the fence, because I didn't realize what lay in store for me should I grab the fence. Well, from my perspective, what my mom was doing seemed mean, seemed angry, or maybe you could say seemed wrathful. But from her perspective, she was protecting me from the very thing that I was going towards that was not what she wanted for me. She did not want me to get zapped by that fence. Any good parent would say the same thing, and has probably similar stories about saving their children from things of destruction. Well, I believe that this is what God's wrath looks like, and from our perspective, when we don't know that the sin we're going towards is going to give us a zap, so to speak, God's action to save us from that appears violent, maybe appears angry, and maybe appears wrathful. So, the book of Romans to close, contains some of the most well-known references to God's wrath in the English Bible. And in fact, the word wrath itself shows up in the book of Romans more frequently than any of the other epistles in the New Testament, and Romans is the source of much of the evangelical popular theology I've been talking about. So, it'd be good to look at one of those references in light of everything that's just been discussed. Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 9 say, But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely, then, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. And this is couched very clearly at the beginning in God's love. God's love is the driving force behind this action. So you see, Jesus, in perfect obedience to his Father, is the one who restores us to right standing before God. He is the one who saves us from the electric fence of sin. And it's through Jesus that we can finally once again experience the fellowship with God, which was what he intended for us from the beginning of all things. This is what we were designed for. And all of this happens because God loves us and will stop at nothing to reclaim his children, to save us from the fence. God is not fundamentally angry towards us. He is fundamentally for us. And because of that, he has made a way to get us back to him through Jesus. This is what it means to be saved from the wrath of God. Thanks for listening. For more information, you can check out the podcast page at joelwentz.com, or you can follow me on Twitter at JoelTheValiant. And of course, you can always subscribe to 10 Minute Theology on iTunes. Take care.